Hi everybody and welcome. We're really glad you could join us. Today we'll be discussing the three options for future bridge assessment in Australia as part of the effort to improve the efficiency of heavy vehicle access via the performance-based standard scheme. My name's Elena Gardner and I'm the Communications Manager at Austroads. I'll be moderating today's session. If you run into any technical problems, please let me know in the questions section of your sidebar. You'll find that on the right-hand side of your screen. And just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, that's likely an issue with your connection. Closing your browser and rejoining the session via your email registration usually fixes that problem. I acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we're broadcasting today. I pay my respect to Elders past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitangi and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. So a little bit of housekeeping. Our presenters are going to speak for 40 minutes and then we'll have a Q&A for 15 minutes. Uh, we do record all of our webinars and we'll email you once the recording is uploaded on our website. We also distribute our webinars via podcast and you can subscribe to our channel by searching for Austroads in your podcast app. Today's presentation slides can be downloaded from the handout section in your sidebar. So just a bit about Austroads, we're the peak organisation of Australasian Transport and Traffic Agencies. Our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. Austroads uses a program management approach to deliver its work and each program is focused on an operational area of the road system. The project we're discussing today was delivered under the network program, which is managed by Richard Del Place. And Richard, would you like to um, talk to people about how this project fits into the network program? Hi, Elena. Yes, of course. Thank you for um, organising today's webinar. Uh, so to give a quick perspective on the, the broader work we do at Osroads, the network program's vision is to improve the mobility of all users within the road transport system. And as you showed just on your previous slide, we have two task forces that lead the network program. The network task force, which focuses on people's mobility, while the freight task force focuses on the mobility of goods. From a freight point of view, the network program undertakes three to five projects per year, either informing or supporting policy reforms at a national level, or supporting road managers at state and local levels in the freight operations functions. Beyond the project addressed by today's webinar, the current freight-related projects um, that are in the network program are listed here on this slide and uh, will be completed between July and September this year. So watch out for future webinars, obviously, on, on all of these topics. And for reference, the slide provides links to some uh, short project descriptions that are available on the Osroads website. Subject to our board approval uh, in the next few weeks, Next financial year, we'll see the initial development of the Osroads Road Freight Guide, bringing together the knowledge and the learnings of multiple research projects and providing a structured approach to our future research. Mass limits for awesome and SPV vehicles contained in the 1981 NASRA report will be reviewed and updated based on today's vehicle specifications. And finally, we will be developing next financial year the business case for a potential national heavy vehicle bridge assessment system 
that would ultimately provide a nationally consistent and faster access assessment process while reducing costs and efforts for road managers and freight operators. So on that, I thank the, the team that will be presenting today's webinar as their findings and the consultation they have undertaken as part of the project, uh, consultation with the state road uh, agencies especially, now place us in a very good position to define the way forward for a national heavy vehicle bridge assessment system. So on that, back to you, Elena, and uh, all the best to the, the project team for the webinars today. Thanks a lot, Richard. That's great. So um, just a, a quick um, uh, slide about where that you can find the report that uh, today's webinar is based on. So you will find it in the handout section of your webinar sidebar, uh, but also you can find it on our website. And like all of our reports and publications, that's freely available. So do send us any questions you have for the Q&A. Uh, all you need to do is type your question into the question box at any stage of the webinar. It does really help us to um, answer your question if we know the slide number that your question relates to. It just allows us to put your question into context. Um, it can be helpful to have the slides available so you can refer back to the slide number. And just a reminder that you can download them from the handout section of your sidebar. So it gives me great pleasure now to introduce our presenters today, Angus Dram, Matthew Bereni and Neil Lake. Angus has 20 years experience in Commonwealth and state agencies. He has led many transport reform and technology implementation projects in the vehicle, freight and road sectors. Angus is a heavy vehicle safety and policy expert. He has significantly contributed to the creation and operation of the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator. And he's going to speak today about the background and the next steps of the project. Neil and Matthew will talk about the project methodology, the research findings and the options for future bridge access assessment in Australia. Neil is part of the ARB Structures Leadership Team. The team is focused on structures, asset management, structures asset management, including inspection management and training, heavy vehicles access assessment, asset management planning and training, asset management systems development and integrity assessments. With over 20 years experience, Neil is employed as a principal technology leader and has been heavily engaged in various research programs throughout Australia, including the Austroads Bridge Research Program over the last decade. Matthew has worked on major transport projects undertaken by international and national organisations. He now leads the Future Transport Infrastructure Group and Materials Laboratory team at ARB. He collaborates with all levels of government, academia and the private sector. Matthew and his team create knowledge for tomorrow's transport infrastructure challenges. So welcome to you all. Um, I'm now going to hand over controls to Angus and he will take you um, through an overview. Great, thank you, Elena. And um, look, it's great to have everyone here today to talk about this project and to uh, delve more into this investigation and development of the bridge formula for um, PBS standards. So I'll go through and give you a bit of a project overview now, um, and then we'll come back at the end and talk about the implications a little bit further. But before I get into that, I'll move into just discussing the nature of the project team a little further. So you've already met Richard this morning, Richard Laplace, the program manager, 
who oversights the network and freight programs. Uh, myself, uh, Angus Dram, the project manager, and I've been working with the team in ARB, Matthew Baruni, Neil Lake, uh, Darby Johansson, and Tim Held. Uh, this project has been oversighted also by um, a strong set of stakeholder relations and governance. We have a review team um, that has been set up for this particular project that has membership from um, states, road, road authorities, and local government. Um, we also have uh, interfaced quite deeply with the, um, the road authorities um, at each state and territory, um, getting advice and input in terms of bridge impacts and network issues. Um, this project has also interfaced highly with the, um, the three Austroads programs, the freight program, the bridge and assets task forces. So we've had um, strong support from those groups to verify uh, draft reports as we've gone through this process. And finally, of course, the, um, the work has been set up and um, finally endorsed by the Austroads board. And this slide uh, serves to give a bit of an illustration of the geographic diversity of the working group that has supported this effort. Uh, you'll note there's the representation, as I mentioned, from each state and territory, and also from New Zealand. Now, New Zealand didn't um, participate so actively in this particular project with their own uh, local issues in New Zealand and governance arrangements for the way they look at bridges. They've been um, applying uh, observation to this project, but not directly informing its outcomes. Uh, you'll note too that we've got representation from IPWIA um, and the Australian Local Government Association. So moving then into the context and project origins. So this project was initiated in support of the performance-based standards reform agenda. Um, the NTC has been working with transport ministers and the Standing Committee on Transport and Infrastructure to review the way that the um, PBS reform project was working and to develop some recommendations that all states and territories endorsed to deliver more effective PBS outcomes. Now, this particular project um, has served to, to work on item two, where Austroads and the NHVR were um, tasked with designing nationally consistent infrastructure assessment guidelines. Now, there are guidelines that exist now, and this particular project was narrowing in and looking at the bridge assessment piece and seeing where, in particular, the bridge formula that's been used as part of the vehicle assessment process, um, but also in the, um, the bridge uh, vehicle assessment process, how well that's working um, and how it can be improved and what might be um, some next steps to improve the situation for access. So again, there are other projects that um, Richard outlined, some of which are looking at the broader issues of access, looking at pavement issues as well. But this particular discussion today is about bridge assessment and the, um, the formula that have been used to um, guide vehicle, PBS vehicle designs and their application to bridge assessment. So I'll stop there and um, hand over to Matthew and we'll come back at the end and talk more about the implications of the analysis and the research that um, Matthew and Neil will outline and come and talk more about the next steps that Austroads intends from that point forward. Thank you, Angus. Thank you to the team at Ostros uh, for having us today. So this is Matt Berini and my colleague Neil Lake and I will uh, tell you more about the research that we conducted for Ostros. Um, so yeah, back to, to the research that we conducted, uh, we actually started with a lit review as um, we would always do. 
and uh, went far back, actually back to, to the 70s, looking at some key documents which were published by NASRA back then. Um, one of the key fundamental research on that very topic is the Economics of Road Vehicle Limits, the ERVL study. Um, the 1985 RRVL, Review of Road Vehicle Limits for Vehicles Using Australian Roads, was also a, a key document outlining the first bridge community which were used in Australia. Um, moving forward, about 10, 10 years later, um, Austroads reviewed the bridge formula which we produced earlier. Um, we're talking about the review of actual spacings by schedules, which is a, a very well-known document as well. And in addition to that, we reviewed a range of documents um, that were later published by Austroads, but um, also by partner organizations such as the National Transport Commission. We also included uh, a review of some international uh, research documents from uh, New Zealand and other countries. So um, you, you can see um, a screenshot of the front page of, of those three key documents that we reviewed. Um, they actually form the foundation for the regulation which is currently used in Australia as per the heavy vehicle national law. Um, unfortunately, we uh, very quickly realized that uh, we were missing some information and in, in background uh, documentation on how the brief formula were calculated. So this was a, a shortcoming that we had to, to front very early on and uh, that will explain why we did what we, uh, we did later on. Moving on to, to the next slide, um, I mean a key question that we need to talk about straight away is why do we even do that? Why does it matter to go back to the research which was done a, a few decades ago? Um, well, it is important to understand that the bridge formulae are essentially in the sense that they actually control the distribution of mass within heavy vehicles. So when it comes to um, heavy vehicles in Australia, uh, you don't just look at the full length or full wheelbase of the vehicle, you also need to work out your internal um, mass distribution based on actual groups, which is something illustrated on, on the right here. Uh, as you can tell, there are a few arrows that show you need to, to look at the front axle up to the, uh, the last axle of the tandem axle here, um, as well as you know, front axle to the rear triaxle and then tandem axle to triaxle. So there's a lot of uh, work in uh, dimension taking that is required to make sure that your vehicle complies with the regulation which is currently enforced in Australia. So uh, we're talking about enforcement, we're talking about compliance as well. Uh, it is something that matters to industry, um, that matters to um, people in charge of enforcing the current regulation. Um, now, in terms of um, uh, what is a, a bit less clear or less precise, uh, well, uh, we also need to be quite you know, upfront about the fact that this kind of um, bridge formula system is not extremely precise. When it comes to enforcing it, yes, it is precise, but when it comes to the impact of vehicles on infrastructure, well, it is a proxy, really. Um, if we are actually more concerned about the potential impact of those vehicles on our assets, then we need to take things to uh, more sophisticated approaches, um, which are very much what Tier 2 and Tier 3 bridge assessments are all about. 
So this, uh, the scope of this uh, very work is about uh, the tier one, which is in bridge formula, and how we can reform and improve on that. Uh, it is also used by transport operators and more generally speaking, uh, transport industry. They use it to um, make sure that their vehicles are compliant, but they also use it at design stage to make sure that they can mix and match different traders in a way that is still going to be compliant with current regulation. So it does matter a lot. Uh, it is important to make sure that we do have something efficient. Uh, next slide here. Uh, we won't uh, go too far into the details here. It is just an illustration of what the current regulation looks like. Um, so the actual details uh, can be found in the KBB coordination rule, the HBNL, and more particularly the, the mass and dimension moving regulation. But um, I guess just uh, as a quick explanation of what you see on your screen here, uh, you can see a few lines, you know, red, green, and blue. Um, that tells you that um, different bridge formulae apply to different vehicle types. Um, so if you're looking at a, a typical PDS level one vehicle, for instance, which is very similar in shape and form to a semi trailer, um, it initially needs to comply with the, um, the, the red line on the, on, the, on the graph here, up to about uh, 10, 10.3 meter in wheelbase, uh, that would take you to about 42.5 ton. Um, and then uh, a different um, formula applies, which is the first green branch, uh, and that is actually M equal L plus 32.5. And so a similar rationale applies to different vehicle types, uh, but the PBS level two in, in blue. Um, and what it tells you is that uh, you need to comply with a bridge formula which is um, a little bit more forgiving. Uh, however, as a, consequence of, as a consequence of that, access uh, is not as generous. You are given access to a smaller network. Uh, and again, similarly uh, for PBS level three and four, where there is actually no deviation to the main uh, formula, you just need to comply with um, 3L plus 12.5, but again, you would be um, granted access to a smaller network. So that's the way things work, and uh, that is what we are looking at today. All right. Um, moving on to um, the initial plan. Um, if Neil is online and if your internet connection is not uh, dropping, Neil, would you like to take over from here? I am here. Very All good. Right. Thanks very much, uh, Matthew. So uh, what I'm planning to do now is take you through uh, the basic methodology that was used, the initial methodology, and then what we ended up doing, and uh, talk a little bit about the results uh, that, um, that came, came from the study. Uh, the, the screen's just loading up now, so I'll just uh, start talking to it. So, so, the, so the methodology that we started with the initial plan uh, was a four-step process. Uh, this first step was to review the current bridge formula, uh, work out the basis for it, and uh, go and have a look at the road authorities and how they're assessing their structures, and then identify any issues with the current formula and how those two are interrelating. Uh, and then from there, hopefully, we were going to uh, develop new bridge formula to correlate with logical higher loading levels because our uh, bridge loads have increased over time and hopefully open up you know, the network somewhat. Uh, using this service level concept. Uh, then the road agencies will review their stock um, for the various bridge formulas or service levels, 
and uh, a national notice would be published uh, along with um, you know route maps that sort of thing by the NHVR and then uh, the intention was then that the bridge formula that we created would become then the basis for determining access to those uh, nominated um, routes or um, the national notices that the um, agencies created. <clears throat> now, uh, like all things, things don't quite go to plan and uh, really the outcomes of step one really shape the rest of the project and uh, we'll go through that in a bit more detail um, now. So the first step was to try and understand the basis of the original bridge formula. Uh, a few problems that we ran into there. I mean, the original study, uh, the methodology came out of the Erville study and was further developed and, and actually actioned in the Rouville study. And then finally sort of solidified in the 94 axle spacing max schedule work, which then formed the bridge formula. Now, when we went back and had a look at that study, uh, there are a few issues that came up and particularly uh, around the magnitude of the uh, effort required to replicate the study. Uh, and also there wasn't enough baseline information to do a, you know, a shorter version of the study just with, you know, current day um, thinking around how we evaluate structures. So we couldn't really go down that full path. So what we've done in this study is we've really focused on trying to understand how the design loads uh, relate to what, sort of PBS vehicles could be created from the bridge formulae. So in this study, we've considered five different design loads. So the MS-18, which is the, the baseline load that's been around for a long time, uh, also known as the H20S16. Uh, and that particular loading is what the, the intention of the original bridge formula was meant to be created uh, upon. So MS-18, if you have a bridge that's MS-18, it's meant to be okay if you uh, assess a, a PBS vehicle to the bridge formula. Uh, now we also looked at T44 load, which was introduced in 1977 and uh, changed a little bit in 92. Uh, we've also looked at half of the HLP320 because that was a load that was introduced in 92. And uh, the reason why it's half is because all of the analysis work that we've done here is based on um, line model uh, modelling of a single lane. So we've taken half of the HLP20 to sort of see where it sits. This is not exact because the way the HLP sits on a bridge is different, so it's not quite right, but it'll give us a ballpark figure. Uh, we've also looked at 0.75 of the SM1600. Uh, and the reason why we've done that is because that's often considered by some agencies as a logical maximum strengthening level that you could take a T44 bridge up to. You know, there's a limit to how much we can strengthen bridges and that's seen by some as being sort of a limit that you could get that sort of T44 bridge to. And then of course the SM1600, because that's the most current design load. So we can see here, there are the various uh, loading configurations that we've used. And in particular, it's important to see that we have lane loadings in there because they become quite, quite critical when you get to um, uh, longer spans. So they've been considered in this analysis. Now, looking at the PBS vehicles themselves, for each PBS uh, level, what we've done um, is developed a range of heavy vehicle configurations that comply with the, uh, the formulae. So some configurations were developed based on common on-road vehicle configurations, but others are also more theoretical because the intention of the PBS scheme is that if your vehicle complies with the formula and whatever rules and regulations are in place, you're meant to be able to get access 
um, to that level. So it was important that we considered future possibilities of what vehicles could look like as well. And uh, critical vehicles will then develop, produce the largest possible loading actions uh, as you would increment one of these vehicles across a bridge. And you know we've developed envelopes uh, of load action for each of those vehicles and then developed envelopes of all of the vehicles that we created for a particular PBS level. So in terms of the structures themselves, like I said, we've done some line model uh, line models to uh, evaluate these um, loading actions. So to do that, we use an Excel macro. Uh, in that, we considered moment shear and peer reaction uh, for uh, each of the vehicles. And th those particular Excel macros that we used were also checked against space gas for quality purposes. So three span configuration was used for simply supported spans. The reason why it's three is so that we can maximize the peer reaction um, when we're considering that particular loading action. And for continuous spans, we use both a two span and five span configuration. Uh, the two span sort of captures the maximum negative moment and the five span, the maximum uh, salient moment in a continuous configuration. So the span ranges that we looked at to cover most bridges were between five to 60 meters. And we looked at span ranges in 0.5 meter increments. Now, uh, the 1994 uh, axle spacing mass schedule study focused on mid-span bending only uh, for simply supported structures. And so what we've really tried to do with this methodology is extend that out to make sure that we're considering shear forces and peer reactions, and also make sure we're considering continuous structures. So I'm about to show you some of the results of the study. And uh, this particular slide is just to really help you understand uh, what they mean. So uh, the blue there is the design load. And if our PBS vehicles fall below that, then obviously we have a bit of spare capacity in the network and potentially we could create a, a larger, a bridge formula that could produce larger vehicles or heavier vehicles. Um, and uh, obviously the reverse is true in that red zone where if the design load is less than what the PBS creates, well, we're probably operating over and above where a bridge is being nominally designed. So if we have a look at this uh, first uh, set of results, uh, you can see with this slide, this is um, uh, envelopes of bending moment for simply supported spans. On the left, there's bending moment, and then on the, 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 the x-axis, we've got the span length. We've got the full range that we're looking at here. Now, the important lines on this graph uh, to consider particularly are the black lines. So the one right on the very bottom is the MS-18. The next one up is the T-44. Uh, the one sort of uh, three quarters of the way up is the 0.75 uh, of the uh, MS1600 and the very top is the MS1600. Now, if we uh, zoom in on this view a little bit more and we just look at, at zero to sort of five to 30 meters. Uh, and if we look at the first uh, design level, the MS18, we can see that all of the PBS configurations generally exceed this level. Uh, at quite small, small span ranges. So after about five meters, they're all uh, exceeding what the, um, the nominal um, MS-18 bridge would be designed for. If we look at the T-44 load, we can also see that uh, all of the PBS levels exceed what the T-44 can withstand at a roughly around 23 meters. So all span ranges above that were, were potentially operating outside what the bridge was nominally designed for. 
if we look at PBS levels three and four, uh, they're quite they they they're quite close to the HLP half the HLP three HLP three twenty for spans less than forty meters. And if we look at uh, the the three A envelope here, it remains quite close to the 0.75 of SM sixteen hundred for all span lengths, and only just marginally exceeding at fifty meters. And then uh, we can also see that the three B and four remain close to the the 0.75 up to around 46 metres, and then they exceed a little bit. Now, uh, the, the important thing to take away from this, uh, this, this slide is that the current bridge formulas they, they're designed, they don't really correlate uh, really in any way to uh, the key design loads that really limit our network, that being particularly uh, the MS-18 and also the T-44. And by not correlating, what I mean is, well, one, they're more, but also, as the span range increases, they move further and further away from those nominal design levels. Uh, as you can see there, for the um, uh, 0.75 of the SM1600, uh, you know, they actually correlate reasonably well with the uh, level three and four. So, but that's the key takeaway message there. Uh, if we look at continuous spans now, uh, and you'll see this for all of the different uh, loading actions. It's a similar story throughout. This is simply, uh, this is a um, sagging moment in uh, continuous structures. And you can see that uh, the T44 moment is exceeded uh, as soon as, for all PBS levels as soon as you get past 22 meters. Um, so the key uh, findings of the study were that the current bridge formula do not are not designed to replicate the MS-18 load. So if you've got an MS-18 bridge, it doesn't mean that it's automatically okay uh, for the bridge formulae that currently are in place. Uh, the current bridge formula can produce vehicles that exert loads that are a lot greater than bridges have been nominally designed for. It doesn't mean that they are not suitable, but in terms of nominal design, uh, you can't just assume if it's an MS-18 bridge that it's okay. Uh, now, peer reactions and shear forces, I haven't presented that information here, but certainly I would refer you on to the report to have a look at that. Uh, it's the same uh, story throughout, uh, that, that, that they consistently exceed what the PBS um, uh, bridge formula indicate uh, it should be able to handle. So the key takeaway that uh, we really found from the study is that it's not possible to develop a single bridge formula to support the objectives of the PBS uh, implementation plan. That was our key finding. And so that really changed our methodology. And so we got through step one and now we've really got to the point where we have to now explore what the options are. So I'll hand back over to Matthew just to sum up uh, the overall outcomes here and then going through what the options are moving forward. Thank you, Neil. Um, I hope you can see my screen now. Um, I guess the research started a few months ago and the benefit of having a bit of uh, time uh, between delivering the work and, and today, it actually gives us some time to reflect on the work and some of the findings, so, which is why we decided to include one more slide about the key takeaways. Uh, so if you allow me, um, some, some comments on um, Australian bridge stock to start. Well, it is very diverse. Um, we do have bridges that were built before Federation even. Um, a lot of bridges in Australia were still built, again, the MS-18 design load. 
And of course, as uh, many of you on the, on the webinar today would know, uh, we also had some more modern and stronger bridges which were designed against uh, SM1600. So we're dealing with a very uh, varied bridge stock here, which makes the task a little bit complicated. Um, something else that is worth pointing out, I guess, is the fact that um, the bridge formula is effectively uh, bridging supply and demand when it comes to EVB port access. Um, and let me explain that point. Uh, supply, uh, you can look at it um, as your your bridge stock actually, and more particularly the bridge design load, which was used to um, to build your your existing asset. On the other hand, uh, demand would be your heavy vehicle access requests, uh, which are typically dealt with by the national heavy vehicle regulator in partnership with different states. Um, and so we we know that heavy um, um, vehicles want to get access to our bridge stock and effectively we are trying to find a mechanism to make sure that we can safely grant access uh, on the domain side to our asset which is our supply uh, which road managers obviously carefully look after uh, which is totally understandable and so in doing that uh, the key concept behind heavy vehicle access is actually risk management uh, because uh, road managers have a duty to make sure that every vehicle uh, can be safely granted access to infrastructure and it is not a short-term uh, priority for them. Um, we, we, we do have a, a very um, expensive uh, capital in our bridge stock which needs to be carefully managed uh, and that is the main reason why uh, access requests are sometimes denied because um, while there is a short-term benefit in allowing a very large load on a bridge, um, there might be some long-term consequences. So that's the, the rationale behind um, the decision-making for heavy vehicle bridge access. Now, the, um, uh, the I guess you know uh, a bit uh, less positive news here um, is that in doing that work, uh, Neil and the team and myself. Um, we quickly realized that developing a new set of bridge formula was never going to miraculously improve heavy vehicle access. Um, as we said before, uh, bridge formula are a mere proxy for quick decision making with regard to giving access. Um, and of course, you know, it is our duty to make sure that they are as good as possible, that they are actually tailored to the task and support heavy vehicle productivity. Um, however, um, we used engineering principles uh, in delivering our research and it became very clear very early on that uh, reverse engineering the work that was done in the past would have been uh, ideal, however, we didn't have the information and uh, documentation required to do so. And then we had to uh, actually look at going back to the, the dream board and uh, it became very clear that uh, this was never going to be like the miracle that we all hoped for. So um, as an illustration of that, um, there are two statements here that um, we can quickly look at. Um, there's an option around enforcing or developing more generous bridge formulae on a large scale. 
which would of course allow bigger access, larger access to EV vehicles. And if you remember the graph that we looked at initially, uh, effectively it's about lifting those those lines, the, the red, green, and blue lines, a little bit up, not up to give um, uh, improved or larger access. But the, there is a but here, and the but would be that um, doing that would actually be counterproductive because our consultation has clearly shown that if we were entertaining this idea, road managers uh, would have no choice but to reduce access to manage uh, risk, as mentioned before. So yes, you know, we can come up with some more generous bridge formula, but this is going to do no good to industry uh, if we do that. There is a different approach, um, which is about gazetting networks to allow existing vehicles on existing infrastructure. Um, so effectively, when I say gazetting, it's about producing notices or um, special permit-based schemes, which would allow um, a given vehicle type, such as um, uh, an edible or uh, a super edible, to go on a network which is already known. And again, in trying to deal with that risk that we are all facing, um, using engineering principles tell you, tell you that you would need to reduce the actual group mass to manage that risk. So again, not an ideal outcome because uh, you would have a known vehicle on a known uh, network, but this vehicle wouldn't be allowed, allowed to perform at uh, maximum capacity, which is not, again, the kind of outcome that we want. So in conclusion, um, if we are serious about um, improving every vehicle access sustainably in the long term, there are two things that we need to look at. One is about improving our understanding of bridge capability or bridge capacity, if you want, across all states and territories. And the second one is to go back to basics. And in that case, it's about engineering principles. Um, also, of course, leaning on new modern technology tools that we currently um, have, as opposed to what was done in the 70s or 80s. And using those principles, we will be able to, uh, to make informed access decisions. That's really um, the, uh, the essence of the recommendation that we're going to, to look at now. All right, so if you look at the report, which was published and, and uh, handed out to participants by Ostros, uh, um, we not only looked at what was done in the past, but of course we um, put a, a lot of attention to how we can improve access in the future by developing options. We came up with three options. Option number one is about, uh, it's, it's very close to the status quo. It's about using the current bridge formulae um, unchanged while addressing some of the known shortcomings. And one of them is about the lack of clear space rule, also known as XY rule, to all PBS level two vehicles. So that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. PBS level two vehicles are very similar to vehicles in shape and form. And as most of you would know, 
GitHub vehicles need to comply with the balance clear state rule. So there was a, that was a rationale here behind this one. Um, and uh, on the network side, road agencies would be uh, declaring the networks and operators will be given as of right access to the declared networks. Uh, declared networks, uh, by that we mean a network that will be published in uh, a notice, for instance. So that was very much option one. Um, this option was initially recommended um, as a baseline option, uh, which could be implemented very quickly to meet uh, the ministerial timeframes that we were um, dealing with. Of course, um, a fairly high degree of consultation was uh, conducted after we put our recommendations together and we did get some, some feedback from our group. Um, we received some very strong feedback about the fact that option number one um, was a bit of a band-aid. Uh, yes, uh, it would address some uh, initial uh, shortcomings, however, in the long term it wouldn't deliver the reform benefits that were expected. And on top of that, um, it sounds easy to say, let's create a new clear space rule for PBS level two vehicles, but it is actually much harder than it sounds. So additional research would have needed to, to be conducted to develop that um, new XY rule for, for PBS level two vehicles. Um, it's not that it is uh, obviously um, extremely hard to, to create a new XY rule. Um, the challenge lies around making sure that um, all the required precautions are taken around not uh, restricting access for some vehicle types or uh, restricting access for vehicles that are already on the road. So there can be a lot of uh, unforeseen consequences to developing a new rule very quickly. Moving on to now option two. Option two um, was uh, different from the status quo uh, in the sense that it would introduce a new bridge family for different levels of service. And uh, unlike option one, it was very much focused on improving the long-term productivity of the PBS system. Uh, by tapping into the untapped reserves in bridge capacity, so uh, what we mean by that is if you remember the initial graph um, that Neil discussed with the, uh, the green line crossing the red line, um, we know that um, for some um, bridge spans in particular, there, there was um, a bit of reserve there and uh, developing new bridge community would allow us to reduce any kind of gap between the two lines. So that's really about matching demand and supply. So that sounds you know, very good, of course. Um, now, in terms of the feedback that we received, um, that was actually again very interesting and thank you again to everyone that provided some feedback. Um, one of the challenges around that is um, related to the fact that um, the current bridge formulae do not correlate well to uh, design levels historically used um, in Australia. Um, and that's linked to the fact that um, We've got different span lengths as well, and so it, it makes it very difficult to have a like a blunt uh, one size fits all rule for everyone. So you start playing up with some sub bridge formulae to try to offer additional access for some span ranges in particular, 
Um, and as everyone would know, uh, when rules are too complicated, well, generally they are not very much complied with. Um, so uh, yes, you know, we can try to, to make it better, but if we make it um, very um, uh, difficult to comply with or unenforceable, well, then the rules become completely useless, which is not what we want. Another issue is around the fact that loads could also fall between service levels. Um, so if, if, if you do that, then again, you don't really tap into that, that full potential with regard to bridge reserves and capacity. So not, not a very optimal outcome, I guess. And, uh, and that would lead to a suboptimal access level as well. So um, all in all, um, while Ocean 2 offers some interesting benefits, it was deemed to be uh, not an ideal outcome for industry and road managers as well. All right, so looking at option number three now. Uh, option number three is, uh, is very forward, uh, looking into the future at long-term benefits. Um, what we are considering under option three is um, a very modern, nationally consistent user interface and database that could be used by all road managers to run heavy vehicle, uh, heavy vehicle access efficiently in real time using an automated line model comparison approach, which is very similar to PBS tier 2. So that really goes back to the fundamentals of using engineering principles, in particular structural engineering, to decide efficiently whether trucks can go on our roads. Option three allows us to access potential reserves in bridge capacity above what is currently allowed under the bridge formula enforced in Australia. It is also consistent with current practice um, and the recommendations which were put forward under the previous post-road project uh, titled TP1951. The TP1951 provided a framework to make informed decisions using a scale that allows you to precisely know where access can be safely granted. So there is some initial work that we can rely on to progress option three. Now looking at the feedback, um, option three was uh, actually um, approved by most of our uh, reference group as it addresses the shortcomings of option two by using current computer technology. It also allows industry to evaluate bespoke routes in real time, so there is real benefit around uh, the turnaround camera to deal with access. And um, it was also looked at as a very optimal solution for freight access, allowing road agencies to maintain responsibility for their assets. Ultimately, uh, if successful, um, option three would become the new norm, and we would be able to remove the tier one formula. Um, in favor of, of something that looks like an automated tier two assessment process. So a lot of um, very uh, significant benefits to option three. All right, so going back to some of uh, the key positions which were outlined by the group and the action that were undertaken in response to that. Um, first one, we know that the current bridge formulae are not suitable uh, to gazette nationally consistent access routes. So what we mean by that is um, if 
anyone believes that we can just take the current bridge formula and just decide to publish a network for PBS level one, two, three, and four based on the current bridge formula. Uh, well, our group of stakeholders told us that this was not going to work, it would not be suitable. So as a result of that feedback, it made it very clear that option three was the one that we needed to push forward to deliver the required outcome. Position number two. Where possible, road agencies should gazette routes as an interim measure. Um, so that's kind of your band-aid approach, which is, well, you know, we, we have some vehicles that we know, uh, we know where they want to go, why don't we just gazette routes? Um, this is totally doable. Uh, it's obviously not, you know, a long-term preferred approach for most stakeholders, but it is doable. And uh, the action resulting from that was um, the work that we recently undertook for the NHGR to gazette key freight routes for PBS vehicles. This is work um, in progress, actually um, pretty much done now, where we were able to provide some bespoke access for known vehicles, uh, which are widely used by industry. And position number three, um, it is about the long term and delivering the uh, intent of the reform. Um, and that's about implementing a line model comparison framework, as well as a database supporting that to improve productivity in a nationally consistent, safe, and reliable way. Um, however, um, our attention was drawn to the fact that costs and time needed to be carefully understood and considered. So let's not rush into it. However, let's move forward with it. So Ostrode um, provided some, some recommendation and advice on how to, to deliver that. And for that reason, um, it was decided to undertake a stocking study looking at cost and time, uh, as well as the implications for road agencies and the actual uh, internal workings of um, the, the line model. You know, what does it look like? What does it need to uh, take into consideration and, uh, and under what kind of um, user platform uh, it could be delivered? So that's very much you know, the initial positions and what we've been doing to deliver on that. Um, so on that note, uh, it is now time for me to hand over to Angus to, uh, to deliver the, the conclusions. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you very much. So it was a, a great presentation from yourself and Neil. And look, I will just summarise quickly to allow some time for, for questions at the end. I think it's important to, to recognise, as um, the team have done, that this project changed as we went along to identify that the bridge formula um, weren't going to deliver the outcome that we're looking for. The option three that Matthew has talked about um, really gets us to the ability for PBS to hit its intended um, objectives, and that is to be able to uncover the latent capacity of the network in a safe, efficient manner. So that's um, where we got to with that bit of research. And as Matthew indicated, that um, those recommendations were uniformly accepted by the Freight Task Force, um, which led to the development of a scoping study, um, which has gone on to investigate in more detail what could be the intent 
and the approach to a heavy vehicle breach assessment system. Um, that work so far has indicated a strong viability for that approach. Um, and to the end that we're looking to discuss the possibility of doing a business case to investigate more deeply. As Richard indicated earlier, that's subject to the board, um, considering that in a month or so's time. Um, I also want to state that um, state agencies have been working on these issues for some time. So there's these issues with the bridge, well, they have been understood and the states have been actively looking at ways to automate their processes and revise the way they do things to make sure that the process was as rapid as possible and as much access can be granted as possible. But clearly a fundamental shift is required to get the sort of matching of vehicles um, to the network that option three, a national system can supply. Um, I should also mention that the approach outlined is not just suitable for PBS vehicles. We believe it would be useful for all heavy vehicle classes. So an approach to looking at bespoke networks for all vehicle classes is possible through this method. Um, it's not trivial though. So while it's all technically possible and the engineering allows us to do this, there's great complexity involved. So it's by no means a simple exercise and therefore um, Austroads and its um, members would carefully consider this through a business case approach and need to consult very widely. So the, the work done to date has been um, directly interfacing with Austroads members um, but pursuing this further would clearly require a broader and deeper consultation with industry and road managers very broadly. Um, a couple of things that are happening here, the NHGR um, for their part have been working on what's called a strategic local government asset assessment project which is looking at the data that local government have currently um, about bridges and thinking about what the, the best data would be to support access and thinking about ways that could be collected and then um, produced on a map um, to give people guidance about access for various classes of vehicles. So that's going along the same direction as this approach that we're talking about here and can go alongside and support those activities we've discussed here today. Um, so with that, I think I might pause there, Elena, and um, suggest that we move to questions and I look forward to, to taking them on board. Great, thanks so much, Angus, and thank you, Neil and Matthew. That was really great. We do have quite a few questions, um, so I'll try and whip through as many as we can. Uh, the first one is a general one, which is, do road agencies publish maps of routes that are available to the various PBS level vehicles? Uh, yes, they, they do, and, and it's also supplied in various forms on the NHVR uh, mapping portal. Great, thank you. Um, and another one is, does the bridge formula consider the current condition of the bridges? So the, the answer to that one is uh, is no, it doesn't. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a known issue and uh, looking at option three in particular, um, option three would actually allow us to take into account the state of the asset by potentially looking at a database which contains information around the bridge inspection results which are collected around the country. So that is a really, really good question actually. It's something that we, uh, we should be looking at. Great, thank you, Matthew. We've got a couple of questions that relate to uh, slide 29. I'll just take us there. Uh, so the first question is, um, what evidence is there that current heavy vehicle access is damaging bridges? 
Um, yeah, look, um, good question again. Um, the evidence is that you go out there and inspect a bridge and you will see that um, large loads um, can actually damage bridges because we conduct inspections very regularly. We would go back to the same asset uh, year on year and we would start observing um, cracks under a deck, for instance. And uh, given that uh, we're looking at reinforced concrete, uh, it wouldn't just happen due to the dead weight of the structure. So a lot of repeated heavy vehicle traffic would uh, would generate that. Look, I'll probably let uh, Neil tell you more about it because Neil spends more time on the bridges than I do. Um, so Neil, do you have any insights that you'd like to share? Well, I would say uh, in answer to that question, <clears throat> I think you'd really have to ask the road agencies. and. And this is one of the key re reasons why the bridge formula alone uh, doesn't dictate access. You know, the road agencies need to consider individual structures and determine based on their condition, uh, whether they're suitable for access for PBS vehicles that comply with the bridge formula. And so certainly if you had a bridge where there was uh, potentially damage occurring for whatever reason, then they would need to take that into consideration. Uh, but whether or not uh, overall on the network, you know, these PBS vehicles are creating damage, I don't know the answer to that and probably uh, a lot of the road authorities will be better positioned to answer that. Great, thank you. And it's sort of a related question, I suppose, is um, that coming from an organisation not using an assessment formula for access, what are the risks of increasing the volume of freight vehicles on structures using a PBS formula? Would it um, include things like additional maintenance or fatigue impacts, and are there other impacts? Well, I think I, I could, uh, Neil here, I could answer that. I, I think that, you know, obviously if you increase loads, it makes logical sense that it could have uh, a high impacts on structures, particularly from a fatigue point of view. Uh, and I think that what's quite critical in the findings of the study is that we've recommended that uh, the third option be adopted, which is basically road authorities nominate, you know, their, their maximum capability of a bridge and, uh, and then PBS access is then uh, undertaken using a line model comparison to that uh, maximum load that the road authority has specified. And, and so what that provides is an opportunity for the road authorities to carefully consider these issues and, and make sure that they, you know, particularly for bridges that are quite prone to fatigue or, or that sort of thing, those things are actually well considered and thought about in the process. So I think this is a challenge for the industry generally. Uh, you know, what happens uh, when the loads get, get bigger and not enough to break the structure, but is it going to damage the structure? It's a pretty unanswered question. There's a lot of gut feel out there, uh, but uh, it hasn't been answered definitively at this stage. Right. Thank you. So we've got a few questions that relate to slide 34. Um, the first one is uh, coming from New Zealand and it is in New Zealand we undertake all overweight vehicle invisible load permitting on state highways using a similar method to option three. Option two is used for high productivity freight vehicles with divisible loads with detailed bridge analysis used to determine the PBS capacity of routes. Have you considered using detailed an, an analysis line models, option three, in combination with variable PBS levels to clearly communicate with industry? So sort of an option 2.5. Uh, 
Uh, I, I could uh, actually answer to that if, if you don't mind. There, um, I, I think that one of, one of the critical things in the option three that's uh, been presented is that you know you can get the most out of every bridge uh, as assessed by a, a road agency, and and I think what the question is alluding to is that what PBS vehicles uh, operators need is a surety as to what networks they can get access to. And so, um, you know, a combination of looking at, you know, these uh, assessments for individual structures and getting the most out of them along with service levels uh, is an important concept, I think, to create um, some surety. And it really hasn't been considered in detail as of yet. But that strategic uh, planning of uh, route capacity and what we're actually trying to aim for is a really important question. And I think what they're talking about there um, really focuses on that key question. And, and I think it's something that really should be considered in the future, study, uh, future studies. Great, thanks so much, Neil. And look, everybody, thank you very much for your questions. We do have a few that we haven't answered uh, today, and but we will respond in writing and we'll send uh, the responses to everybody who's been on um, the session today. So we have just skipped over uh, at, um, our hour allocated. So I'll just quickly uh, bring up the last of the slides, which is just to let you know about the upcoming Austroads webinars. Uh, we do have a session tomorrow at 1 p.m. that is looking at um, ways to assess the safety of existing bridges and we'll be looking at the benefits of using a more advanced probability-based bridge assessment over conventional deterministic methods. So if you haven't already, uh, you can sign up for that session on our website um, and we'd love to have you along. We've also got uh, some pedestrian planning uh, webinars coming up and a session on the education and training for drivers of assisted and automated vehicles. So look, thank you everybody. Thank you, uh, Neil, Matthew, Angus and Richard for presenting today. And thank you for all of our participants who provided great questions. Um, when I close out today's session, you'll get a, a survey that will pop up on your screen. Please do take a couple of minutes to fill that in. It's very helpful for us to understand um, how you experience these um, sessions and we certainly read everything that you send us through. So thanks everybody. I'll close off today's session and uh, stay safe and well and enjoy the rest of your day.